Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If we follow him, he's going to lead us into what we need. Here is a very interesting example. About two weeks before this coronavirus surfaced in the United States, Pam Paget was shopping for her groceries, and she came upon an item which she had planned to buy for her regular shopping, and the thought was there, get a little more, get more of those. She yielded to that thought. About two weeks later, when the big news hit in the United States and panic started and people started rushing to the grocery stores to buy items and shelves began to become empty, Pam thought, well, I've got some extra of those in the basement because she'd followed God. The Holy Spirit, it's been my experience at least, that the Holy Spirit speaks in such a gentle voice that often we don't know we're following the Holy Spirit. We look back on it and realize it was God leading us to do that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's going to move the sheep in the direction that will be best for them. So there won't be any want. He sees the future. Remember, God sees the future. He knows what's coming. He sees those sheep eating in that pasture, and they're so happy and content. But he sees the time is coming. That pasture's going to dry up. So he's going to move those sheep before the need arises. He might move them by removing them from that spot where they're living, or he might move them by just simply bringing the thought, purchase another one or two of those items while you're at it. Store it in your basement. Now, the sheep might move and the sheep might not move because sheep are very strange animals. Don't worry about it. God can just get a little sheepdog to go nip at your heel to get you to do something. And the sheepdog is very often a prophet. You're going along just fine and all of a sudden some prophet pops up and says something that throws you in another direction that you had not planned to go before. That's the way God works. The churches today say there are no prophets. So many churches say there are no prophets. But that doesn't mean there are no prophets. Think about this for a moment. Jesus died. He was crucified. He arose from the dead. That is when the New Testament church began. It didn't begin with the first apostles. They didn't even have the Spirit of God until Pentecost. 
after Jesus had already risen. The church began after Jesus arose. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, After Jesus arose, he gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the work of the ministry. After he arose. Well, Jesus set those in the church to do the work of the ministry, even if the church threw them out and wouldn't let them work. That doesn't mean they're not working. That prophet gets stirred up by God. You're basically minding your own business down here on earth, and all of a sudden, you get stirred up. And you begin to nip at the heels of that sheep that is not obeying. And the sheep is very annoyed with the prophet. But that prophet won't give up because he's trained by God and appointed by God to deal with the sheep and to give the messages. And he will give the messages. That's just the way it is. So even if your church says there's no prophets, there are prophets. I think there are prophets everywhere. There are often people that you don't even notice, men and women. A pastor once told me this story. He was in northern Colorado, and I'd been in that area for a meeting. He told me that he thought he had a man in their church who was a prophet. This pastor said he was committing a sin, and everybody knew it. And they would talk to him about, you've got to stop this. But he said one day this man came in and pointed his finger at this pastor and said, now, you've got to stop this. And he said, just an electric current went through him and he stopped whatever sin it was he was doing. Well, it sounds like a prophet. Two women told me one time, they said, Joan, what do you think might be wrong with this woman at our church? She, pastor's building a new building and she's so against it. She's always against things. And I said, maybe she's a prophet. We have all these examples of Bible, of Old Testament, and some examples in New Testament of prophets and the work they do. And very often that person will be going the wrong direction and God will send a prophet to warn them, turn, go another direction. That's what prophets do. Well, I always think the prophets are a little like those sheepdogs that move the herd. That herd's a little bit stubborn. But that sheepdog's teeth are really sharp. Now we'll continue, or we will go on with the uh, message. The devil comes to steal the word that God gives us. When God gives us an assignment, when he gives us a scripture, when he gives us instruction... It is not at all unusual for the devil to try to stop us or to cause us to doubt that that word came from God. The devil is exactly opposite from God. In making these recent podcasts, 
I have been very strongly attacked many times by devils trying to stop me from recording, trying to make me doubt that what I'm speaking is the word from God. In a most recent attack, it, the centering was around Matthew 5.32, which I have often spoken to the church. Jesus says, But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. Several times I have spoken about divorce and remarriage and have given the scriptures on this subject. The scriptures from the New Testament Bible, which the New Testament church is to go by. These are the rules for the church in the New Testament. I've spoken many times that if the man marries a divorced woman, he commits adultery. That's exactly what Jesus said. I've also spoken many times that if the woman is divorced and remarries after divorce, she commits adultery, but her husband who divorced her is the cause of the adultery. Recently, the following was brought to my mind. You're teaching the letter of the law. The letter kills and the spirit gives life. I turned to God. What about this? Show me the truth. Instantly, God reminded me of a scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 and 11. Paul says, And unto the married I command, yet not I but the Lord... Paul is going to tell the New Testament church the commandment of the Lord. It's not the letter of the law. It is a commandment of God for the New Testament church. Paul says, Let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. If I only had Matthew 5.32 to go by, I might be shaken. But when I am given 1 Corinthians 7, 10, 11, and told by Paul that this is a commandment of the Lord and not his own opinion, that is strong enough to keep me in the way of God. Which is, the divorced woman is not free to remarry. Those are the words of God on the subject. Not my opinion, the words of God. But what I have to do is hold fast to this. I can't just hear it one time and say, oh good, that settles it. I 
copied this off and kept it before me all day, the day that the battle had gone on. I kept focusing on the fact that what Paul says here is the commandment of the Lord for the New Testament church. Paul says unto the married, I command, yet not I, but the Lord. This isn't his opinion. This is a commandment of the Lord, a rule for the New Testament church to live by. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. It is up to us to fight, to hold on to the word of God. For if possible, the devil will steal it from us and cause us to go in a way that is not of God. This is a way of God. How can we discount the commandment of the Lord when given for the New Testament church? We can't. This is the way of God. But the devil will steal it from us, if at all possible. This is the kind of fight each of us go through rather constantly for the rest of our lives. It's not a one-time thing. It is a constant establishing of the Word of God through prayer and grabbing on to that which God gives us by His Spirit after prayer. John 10.10, 10, Jesus explains, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The thief, the devil, comes to steal from us, to kill us, and to destroy us. Jesus, the word, comes that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. If the divorced woman puts her trust in God to sustain her, rather than going out and trying to find another man to marry, when she puts her trust in God, she will have a more abundant life than she would if she went out there on her own and tried to remarry. I know several women who've married multiple times. It didn't do them any good. They just divorced the next one. But mostly, they went against the Word of God by remarrying. Whether they knew it at the time or didn't know it at the time, they still went against the word of God. And you're not going to be blessed by going against the word of God. You're much better off to accept what God says and what he has for you and to put your trust in God. I know, I know a woman who has divorced twice. She was born basically as a person going to church. Her mother took her to church from the time she was a child. She spent her life in church. 
as an adult woman she married. She committed fornication with another man. She became pregnant. She got a divorce. I mean, she had an abortion. She divorced her first husband. She married a second husband. She divorced the second husband. See, the way doesn't work. Our flesh so much wants it to work. But what you have to do is focus on what God says in the Bible and hold fast to that way in order to bless yourself. You curse yourself by going against what God says in the Bible. But that flesh is awfully strong. I think that we just have to pray and say, God, my flesh is just so strong on this matter. Please help me. Please don't let me go in the way of the flesh. Please stop me. Please make it strong. Strong enough so that I can go your way. I believe if we pray that way and mean it, God will help us. And we will receive the power that we need in order to keep the flesh under control and to go in the way of the word of God. Genesis chapter 3. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. These thoughts sent by the devil are very tricky. They will deceive the very elect unless we turn to God with it and let him reestablish us. Because a serpent is subtle, very tricky, very deceptive. And the serpent said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. See, look at how tricky this is. There's a partial lie even in the question. Of every tree? God didn't say that. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it. Now the woman is going to add something to the word of God. God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. God didn't say that. He didn't say, you can't touch the tree. She added that. If you add to the word of God in any way, you know inwardly that word of God is not true the way you spoke it, and it weakens you to the point you can be destroyed. And that's what she did. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. This is one of the problems with the faith movement. They want to be as God. And they teach you basically to find scripture 
to get what you want so that you could be as God. They don't teach you to search for the will of God. And that's the flaw of that movement. That was the first temptation, to be as God. People do want to be as God. They want to take over and run their lives themselves and achieve great results and be praised by men for those results. I have heard from God many times to do certain things. And there's one woman that every time I heard from God and she saw what I did, she told other people with great pride in what I had done, but she left God out of the story. And when I heard her tell other people what I had done, I said, no, God told me to do that. Nobody wanted to hear that God told me to do this. Why? Because they want to praise the human. That humanism thing where flesh praises flesh and takes pride in flesh. They don't like to think that God caused this to happen. They want to think you caused it to happen. Well, I've always corrected her in the times when I heard her speak to other people. But before we're born again, especially... We want to be as God. We want to work out our own life apart from God. We want to do it ourselves. Sort of like a two-year-old child. So Eve said, no, the serpent said, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. That's another thing people want to do is to know good and evil without turning to God to find out good and evil. It's all a matter of wanting to be wise in our own eyes, apart from God. Verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So many of the problems that we have in this life are the same as Eve experienced. Mark chapter 4. Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some seed fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth, 
some 30, some 60, and some 100. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, Immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. Look again at verses 15 through 17. And these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately, and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, when they have heard the word immediately, they receive it with gladness. But they don't have any root in themselves. They don't take that word and meditate on it and think about it and apply it to their own lives and get a deep root system. And so they don't endure, except for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. It is so difficult because we don't expect to be attacked when we speak the word of God. The word of God is a great jewel. The word of God is more precious than rubies and gold. When we speak the word of God and are attacked because we speak the word of God, we are sometimes shocked. A young man in the Philippines contacted me a few years ago. He had read 
something I had written on internet on our blog, where I had said, it is wrong for a man to call himself reverend. For we have no example in the Bible of Jesus or Paul or Peter or John or anyone calling themselves reverend. There is no such example of that. They call themselves apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Just like Jesus said, they were appointed to those things. But to call themselves reverend, to make themselves into a godly idol, to cause other people to fall down before them, this is wrong. He had heard me write that, speak it in writing, and he believed it at first. He told his church group, they became very angry and told him to leave, to vacate the housing of, that the church owned. They gave him one week to move out of that house where he and his wife and son lived. He contacted me and told me what had happened. I gave him what I believed was the counsel of God. He had never, apparently never worked in a secular job. He had lived on church property since he was 18 years old. I told him to go get a secular job and support his wife and child. He didn't do that. Instead, he just stopped communicating with me. I didn't hear from him for about three years. When there's silence that way, I nearly always know that they have left what I have said and gone the other way. Then he contacted me by email. He said an earthquake had hit the Philippines and destroyed his house and all the other houses around him. I felt these were the houses owned by that church group. He wanted me to send him money, which I did not do. I felt he chose the wrong way. I also felt he was looking to human beings for support rather than turning to God. I believe he's an example of one of those who just didn't have the right soil to plant the word in. And when he heard the word, he received it immediately with gladness. But he had no root in himself. So he endured but for a short time, in his case, when that affliction arose. I believe he left the word and uh, went back to the doctrine of the church that he was involved in. And I think he's an example of these scriptures. Then there are those where the word is sown among thorns, and those thorns rise up and choke the word to death. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in 
choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Then there's the example of the word being sown on good ground, where it bears fruit. There's a scripture where it says the Bereans were more noble than the ones in Thessalonica because they searched the scriptures daily to see whether or not the word being spoken by people like Paul was true. Therefore, many of them believed because they searched the scriptures to see what was really true. These are patterns for us to live by. I have printed these scriptures on our blog. Go to our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations. You can print these scriptures off for yourself and keep them before you. Whatever scripture is given you by God, you must keep it before you. You can't just see it one time. You must let it build a root system in you. And we do that by meditating on it day and night and doing it. This is Joan Boney speaking. Thank you for letting me speak with you today.